You are listening to the weekly Great Governance podcast hosted by Dr. Harlan. So why do we do what we do? We are on a mission to find and voice the hidden stories of excellence in local government so that others are motivated to lead and transform communities. We share information and profile local government practitioners and active citizens who are ethically leading change and innovation in communities and showcase this on our various digital media platforms. So I'm honored today to speak to Nomtrebo Shera Mashlanga, who is a leader in local government. She's a former municipal manager of the Midval municipality. Let's start right at the beginning. You're one of the few women in local government. Why local government? Why did you stay? Why did you not stay in the private sector at Standard Bank where you started from? Thank you so much, Prof, for the invitation and the question. I think it was more of a choice and a decision which one had to make. I completed my first degree in the early 2000s and I started working for the private sector. I stayed in the private sector for three years. And in that three years, I had six vertical promotions. And I felt that I was growing a little bit too fast somehow. And I had an opportunity to join local government And for me, the local government space was still very new because that was after the establishment of the municipalities or what we have now come to know as local government. And it struck me to be an environment where I felt I could thrive in because one, there are regulations. Not that there's no regulations in private sector, but the regulations in local government provide some form of stability and it gives clear boundaries and guidelines within which one is able to operate. Secondly, for me, I am really, really passionate about this country. I believe in South Africa. I believe that indeed South Africa is alive with possibilities and I'm very patriotic. I often think about this country and when I look at South Africa, I think of South Africa beyond me and I think about what do I want my children to inherit. And the moment I start thinking about what do I want my children to inherit, as a public servant, I begin to make decisions that are not just about me, that are not just about the here and now. So you moved from senior clinical assistant to municipal manager and you were also awarded the best municipal manager of the year in 2020 by the Seigol SAL. Can you tell us about this journey? So when I joined the local government, I had just moved from the private sector where I was in a top management position in the bank. And I moved to local government and I started at the bottom of the food chain. And I had to work my way up. The beauty about this process is that because I was just so used to running around in the bank, I got to local government and I found the space to be a little bit more relaxed. So I really tried to get myself involved in just about every department or section I could get involved in. So initially I was hired as a clerk where I was doing inquiries, but I got bored quickly. So I started learning about cashiering and I got bored. I started learning about reconciliations and I got bored started learning about bank deposits, clearing of the daily bank and reconciling items. I went through the whole circle within a short space of time. And Mm. when I had done my part within the income section, I started saying, but what happens in credit control? 
and I started assisting in crave control. What happens with the evaluation role? I mean, with the evaluation role, it was being introduced for the first time in 2009. I got myself involved in that process. I got myself involved in billing, got myself involved in just about every department you can think of. And that allowed me to gain the experience I needed. So an opportunity came for me to start applying for senior management positions. I had spent the time at a clerical level to get myself acquainted with just about every process in local government. And so for me, from a finance perspective, that was a huge tick on my own vision board because I now understood the whole value chain of income. I understood the whole value chain of expenditure. When I got there, based on the experience I had acquired from starting at the bottom, it enabled me to increase the revenue of that municipality from a 3% collection rate to a 48% collection rate in a space of about 18 months or so. So I think it was important for me to spend time at the bottom. It was important for me to understand the processes. It was critical that I understood the policies and how each and every section links with each other and what the ultimate outcome of all of these small activities which are done as one would say in isolation. But when you integrate all of these activities together, you actually understand how local government works. So that actually worked in my favor and to my advantage. Not only that, I was also very fortunate to have been in a municipality where they've had the worst audit opinion for a number of years. And the experience I gained in moving from the bottom of the food chain, right, to senior management in local government allowed me to actually assist the municipality in changing the audit opinion of that particular municipality. And that for me, I think it was quite critical. I think it becomes important that officials, public servants, and anybody else actually who's given opportunity to do work, sit your time through the process. It's never wasted. Because mm. all it does is that it equips you for the next level in your life. If you don't sit your time through the process, you might have the qualifications, you might have the acumen, but you will lack the intrinsic knowledge that is going to keep you at the top. So sit your time at the bottom so that you've got a solid base to enable mm. you to build on that. I want to touch on the award yeah. that you won, Municipal Manager of the Year. That was in 2020, but tell me more about the organization that bestowed this honor on you. Okay, so the organization is actually a branch of SIGFARO. Um, it looks at performance administratively over a period of time. Mm. And there is, I think, a session where they have to vote for the best based on a number of different indexes. And that is how I got awarded the best municipal manager in Gauteng. For me, it's really not about me being awarded that particular honor. But it was more about the fact that you drive an organization and you lead an organization with people who must be equally motivated to drive the objectives, strategic objectives of the institution. So all I do really is be the face of this particular collective effort of the whole team. So for me, it really has got nothing to do with me. It has very little to do with me. It really has a lot to do with the people who enable you to work because as administrators, as head of administration, it does not matter how good you are. If, if the support system is not solid, if the support system 
does not share in your vision, if the support system does not understand what they need to be doing and how their contributions feed into the greater objective of the institution, then there's mm. not much that you can do. doesn't matter how excellent a leader that you may be, but you are as good as the people that you lead. So for me, really, I must be honest, it was something I did not expect. I don't even speak about it generally because it really has a lot to do with the people that propelled me and held me at that level and assisted me to actually ensure that we keep the organization where it was supposed to be. Why should we care about clean audits if the streets continue to be dirty and the poor continue to be poor? What is the use of clean audits? Why this big fuss about clean audits? Okay, I think I need to clarify that I personally do not brag and boast about it. It's just the it's the media that actually brags and boasts about it. But for me, I would just like perhaps to clarify that indeed there are four known opinions within the auditing space. Okay. It's either you have an adverse opinion or you've got a disclaimer or you've got a qualified opinion or an unqualified opinion with explain no matters of emphasis. Explain each one for me, please. So the perception that has been given to us right now, it's almost as if any municipality that does not get a clean audit is not performing mm. as well. And that is an incorrect perception, which I think we need to clarify. Okay. Um, basically, when the Auditor General issues a disclaimer, they are basically saying, listen, I could not be provided with any documentation by the auditee. And as such, I am unable to express an opinion. In other words, I was not given anything that I could work with. And that is what your disclaimer would be. So basically, AG walks in and they say, please provide me with a 12-month bank statement. And the municipality is unable to produce those. AG walks in and say, please provide me with your 12-month payroll reports. The auditees are unable to provide that. AG walks in and says, please provide me with the tender process followed for this number of bits and the auditee is unable to provide that. And so that is the first worst audit opinion that any institution can actually ever have issued. The other one which we don't see quite a lot in South Africa is the adverse opinion. So the disclaimer is the first one. The disclaimer means yeah. the auditor general comes in, the auditor general can't find, you can't supply the supporting documents because of poor systems inside the organization. So that's the first one, disclaimer. Exactly. You, so it's mostly that's... about record management. So okay. any institution okay. can move out of a disclaimer, adverse opinion. Yes. Basically, yeah. there you're saying you've got your financials, but everything is misrepresented. Everything is misstated. There is no accuracy. So it's chalk and cheese. You've provided something. Whatever you've provided is chalk and cheese. It's misrepresented. So in your financials, for example, you say at the bank, in the bank account, we had 5 million when we closed the financial year. And then the AG says, well done, show me your bank statements. And the bank statement says 1.2 million. So mm. what you have said on your financials is not supported, but what is on record. Okay. That's adverse. Adverse opinion. Okay. Third one? Yeah. Then you've got your qualified audit opinion where AG is receiving information. They're able to express an opinion. They're able to verify numbers, but there is misstatements, which sometimes could be allowed for amendments or you being given opportunity to adjust your financials. And then lastly, it will be your unqualified audit opinion where all things are going well. You are adhering to the requirements of GRAB. You are adhering to the requirements of National Treasury. 
you are adhering to the requirements of the MFMA, you are in a position to support your financial and non-financial information, you are in a position to speak to your performance information with adequacy, you are able to support your performance information with a clean portfolio of evidence which can be verified by a prudent person. Mm. And having done all of that, then when you go over and above that, and you try to adhere to each and every piece of legislation as best as possible, and there are no matters on your schedule, on your annexure B, then we say you've got a clean audit. Yeah, what does yes. it say? What does it say and what does it mean to us? Basically, it gives the public assurance that you are doing the right thing. Remember, our constitution does not talk about the same services, same basic services and everything for everyone, but it simply speaks about equitable distribution of services or equitable provision of services. So what your clean audit opinion status says, it basically says that you are adhering to everything that you're supposed to adhere to. It gives your residents comfort that you're actually doing things the right way. It says to them that you are transparent in the manner in which you are managing your finances. It means that there's some level of accountability. You go back to the community and you report back on what you had promised. However, it is not a measure of service delivery, but it's an indication of adherence to legislations. It speaks about how effective are your systems, how much you adhere to what is stipulated. Because AG will only test you and measure you on what you said you're going to do. So it's really about compliance. It is about compliance. It is a good measure of good governance. I very much doubt that a lot of South African municipalities will ever get to the point of clean audit. Why? Simply because for you to get to that, you need to have your house in order. You need to have the right people in the right positions with the right qualifications doing what they are paid to do and delivering on that. What we seem to forget, and I think it's something that somebody needs to research or to do some research on for us, is to say the clean audits or the unqualified audits have been mostly centered around your old established municipalities, your predominantly established municipalities which we had pre the 2000 local government establishment. And what that tells you is that they had an opportunity to establish and refine systems for a longer period than the municipalities which were established post 2000. Mm. And so while all of these other municipalities are still going through learning curve, trying to get their systems in place, trying to put policies in place, trying to ensure that they're adhering to all of the regulations that comes with the MFMA on its own, The other municipalities had that opportunity in the past to refine all those. And they had the skill and the expertise to actually refine it over time, which is quite different from your rural municipalities, which never had any form of local government in the past. And so that measure of clean audit might be unattainable to a lot of other municipalities in the country. In the middle of Eastern Cape, in the Senku municipality in rural Eastern Cape, There's a municipality that is getting it right. And the mayor said she stays in her lane and the MM says he's been there for 21 years. And so there's institutional knowledge there as well. There's stability. Yes, and we don't dispute that. 
That is mm. not in dispute here. What we should be asking is, what are they doing right? One, mm. you've indicated that they've maintained or retained one of their senior managers for the longest time. Mm. And so what we should be advocating for is a security of tenure where senior management is concerned. And that is what the Systems Act amended sought to do before it was overturned as being illegal or as being unconstitutional by the Constitutional Court. So that's what we should be advocating for. To say when there is security of tenure and you've got the right people in the right positions with the right skill, chances of turning an institution around are highly probable. Mm. So you go to other municipalities if you've had an opportunity of going around the country and you mentioned but one example, and I can mention other examples where I'm saying that you get to an area and you ask what is the highest qualification that managers have in this institution? They will tell you it's metric. And these are supposed to be managers who are supposed to guide and drive decision-making. So That is well, but one case you're referring to. On the other hand, on the inverse, there is that serious problem where they're unable to attract the skills that they need to attract. Even if they were to attract the skills, they'll attract the skills at senior management level. But at the lower levels of management, right up to the floor level, you inherit a workforce that doesn't understand local government. You inherit a workforce that is expected to deliver, but does not know how to deliver. What is the reason for Look, this? when the first recruitment of local government took place, the country had some serious decisions to grapple with. And the reasons which I'm going to provide, they are not academic, but this is my mind telling me that we did not prepare ourselves for the democracy we wanted. Three main professions in South Africa existed up until the year 2000. You were either a teacher, a police mm. officer, or a nurse. So when you take over a government with those three professions, serious decisions must be made. One, you can't compromise the security of the country by removing the police officers. So that is one area you're not going to recruit from. You also cannot compromise the health issue of the country because that was the year in which HIV was rife in the country. So health could not be compromised because you still needed to keep our health workers exactly where they were within the health sector. So what was the next option? If we were going to have 283 municipalities at that time seeking new municipal managers, where were those going to come from? Mm. with a system of deployment. You are going to seek another five senior managers per municipality to help in the adherence of the MFMA and Systems Act. Where were those going to come from when the country was not ready for that? I get you. So so I'm going to ask you now, clean audits versus dirty streets. Sure, clean audit says you can account for your money, but that doesn't mean that local government is effective. How do we find the balance? Clean audits and dirty okay. streets. You can account exactly. for the money, yes. But you're not delivering services to the community and the community stays poor. At the core of clean audit is serious adherence to performance management. So if we are not going to manage the performance of your managers and they don't understand that there is consequences for their inability to deliver, you cannot wait for five years to be punished at the polling stations. You need to be monitoring what is being done on a quarterly basis. Mm. And that must be followed by the consequence management. So there we need to find a clear balance and we need to be very intentional about it. If there is a requirement that we need to be collecting refuse twice a week, that is what needs to be done. If that is not being adhered to, 
consequences for that non-adherence must follow. And so when you speak about dirty streets, it is not municipal officials that make streets dirty. It is us residents. And so where does active citizenry come in? Active citizenry comes, comes in when you realize that you are paying someone to provide you with a service, but you also have a responsibility to make sure that your part is done by not being wasteful, by adhering to everything that a normal citizen is supposed to adhere to. So the longer we perpetuate a notion that says that government must, government must, who is government? Building where I work is not government. Government is me. And so if I don't understand that I am government, and because I'm government, there is a particular manner in which I'm supposed to do things, then we've got the whole notion incorrect. And that is what is going to keep Africa 200 years behind the rest of the world. Because we're waiting for government, but we are government. So it's mm. easy for someone to litter on the street and say government must. But I forget that actually I'm government. To the amazing and talented Great Governance Team, audio engineer Bandila Kosa, The Voice. Mpumilali and producer Al Ontong, respect and love. Keep the faith and let's work to make South Africa great, right where we are. If you loved what you heard, subscribe to our Great Governance podcast that is available free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on our HRD Governance Facebook page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend about us. Listen to learn.